It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening, downloading the podcast. You know this. It's totally free. I uh, hope you can subscribe. It's very easy. You just click the subscribe button. The show is made possible by patrons like Peggy, Tavis, Kristen, Beth and Al, Kim, Matthew and Celia, Eugene, Brian, Lee and Jeff, Chad. Thanks so much for all the support. I could not do the show without you. Uh, You know that your website is important to your business as well, right? You know this now more than ever. You need it to turn up in search engine results and you want it to look professional. You want it to be user friendly. Uh, And while you probably know a lot about your business, how to run it, what people want, the services you provide and all that, um, you probably don't know a whole heck of a lot about website maintenance and security or design for that matter. But Schaefer Smith does. Schaefer Smith Design. Great design can solve a lot of your website's problems. Professional services, corporate, small business, entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith can help you with graphics, photos, an online store, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. He does logos. He did mine for the show. Go to SchaeferSmith.com. Get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. All right. I'm not going to go over all of the absentee ballot stuff because uh, by the time the podcast posts, uh, everything's going to have changed. So I will just sort of keep this general. Okay, Uh, the level of distrust right now in America is higher than I have ever seen it. And um, I understand and this might come as a shock, but I understand why a lot of folks on the left distrust the president. They think he lies all the time. And honestly, uh, I kind of do, too. He lies a lot. He says things that aren't true a lot. Now, that does that, that does not mean that he is taken out of context. He is misquoted regularly. And then this feeds more paranoia on the left, who just puts it all into this one big basket of, you know, Trump is a liar. So I understand their arguments. OK, I, I don't agree with all of them, but I understand them. What is profoundly disturbing to me is how few of them seem to understand why the right doesn't trust them in all of the ballot counting and everything going on right now. um, Maybe if you guys hadn't, uh, I don't know, called the president a Russian asset who paid hookers to urinate on a bed that the Obama slept in. Uh, Maybe if you hadn't accused a Supreme Court nominee of being a gang rapist. Um, That's to say nothing, obviously, of the targeting of the the Tea Party a decade ago, Uh, maybe four years of denying Trump won the 2016 presidential election because he carried the Electoral College, which is what we actually elect presidents based off of. All of this, uh, by the way, fits a pattern of refusing to accept outcomes of presidential contests, right? Maybe if you guys hadn't been doing that kind of stuff for so long, then maybe we would trust you when you say, we're not trying to commit election fraud. We don't believe you. People on the right don't believe you because you lie a lot. You've lied a lot about Trump, about uh, his administration, a lot of the campaign and stuff, not on everything, but about a lot and enough times that now nobody trusts you. And so when you engage in what it, I mean, like the, the Brett Kavanaugh stuff and the, the Russian stuff, 
I mean, that stuff alone means you are no longer credible. Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, you are no longer credible. We don't trust you. So when you say, well, I would never engage in vote fraud or election fraud. Really? You accuse this guy of being a gang rapist with no information or evidence. You accuse the president of being a Russian asset. So, yeah, no, I'm not going to believe you now that say that when, when you say that you would never stoop to such a level as that. When you engage in that kind of behavior, you cannot expect people to believe you're capable of anything to attain or maintain power, but not that, right? You can't expect people to say, oh, well, you, you would destroy a man's reputation and call him a rapist, but I would never send in a fake absentee ballot. Breaking that trust means you don't get trusted anymore, guys. So nobody trusts each other especially to count the ballots. So this is where we are. And when you radically alter the voting mechanisms during an election, you do even more damage to those frayed bonds among citizens. You may not agree with it. You may not like it, but you darn sure should understand that when you change the rules in the middle of the game, in this case, the election, even in a state like North Carolina, where it seems like it's not going to uh, to matter terribly, uh, the changing of the rules, but doing it, simply doing that undermines confidence in the system, makes people question the integrity of the, the count, and it adds another piece of evidence to the long list of why we don't trust you. It's important to understand here, there is no reason right now why we cannot have an efficient and an accurate system that counts votes the only reason it does not exist in the way it should is by choice this this confusing and suspicion riddled extended period of uncertainty right now this is preferred by certain people in their purported efforts you know to spare lazy and uninterested voters a single inconvenience we inconvenience everybody else and we subject ourselves and the rest of the nation to days upon days of chaos and agitation. That's the price we are paying right now. That's the price we pay in order to make it so super easy to spare, as I mentioned, a lazy uh, or uninterested voter one single inconvenience. Oh, you can't get an identification card that's free from the state. Oh, okay. Well, you know what then? Uh, screw it. No ID for anybody. And, you know, we'll just have to layer on multiple uh, rules and laws and stuff to try to uh, address the fraud that might occur because you refuse to get an identification card. Right? This is what we trade. This is what it costs us. These are the ramifications, which brings me to this myth of the high turnout equals Democratic wins. This has been uh, at the heart of almost every argument from Democrats about why we cannot implement election integrity measures or you know, change the hours of early voting or require signatures from uh, absentee ballot witnesses or uh, how about entering into cross-referencing compacts with other states to make sure that the voter rolls we have match the voter rolls they have so there aren't people voting in multiple states no no we can't do that that might disenfranchise some people right these are choices these are all choices that people make people in positions of power now the question is why well their argument up till now has been 
High turnout means Democrat wins. So anything that we say as Democrats that uh, we say this adds to voter turnout, if you oppose us, that means you're trying to suppress the votes. Because obviously Republicans believe that uh, if they can suppress votes, then they have a better chance of winning. This was the explicit argument from boards of uh, from editorial boards in North Carolina, from Democratic lawmakers, activists, politicians. Right. This has been the conventional wisdom that the only reason Republicans care about election integrity is because they tried to suppress the votes using election integrity as the cloak, as the argument. Right. And lo and behold, what do we see? 75 percent voter turnout in North Carolina and Republicans win. That myth now needs to die. Okay, they all of those arguments, whether it's, uh, as I mentioned, voter ID, uh, postmarking ballots by Election Day, like all of these election integrity measures. Right there. And the opposition to them, all of that opposition is based on the premise that high turnout equals Democrat victories. And that is not true. It is not true any longer. So from now on, whenever you hear this argument expressed, you need to cite this election. 75% turnout, Republicans win. Let me get to some audio here because the North Carolina Republican Party did a news conference uh, on Wednesday. Chairman Michael Watley, uh, he said uh, that he was confident that Trump and Uh, Tom Tillis will win after all of the votes are counted, and he touted the success of the statewide judicial candidates as well. The uh, party we had created last year, a judicial victory fund in order to raise money and support our uh, races for the Supreme Court and Court of Appeals. Uh, Last night we saw the fruits of that. We've got uh, three wins, three very important wins for us uh, that are coming on the Supreme Court uh, and five for five on the Court of Appeals. So we could not be happier with what we've seen on the judicial races. I want to spend just kind of a minute to talk about what we saw on Election Day and throughout the course of this uh, cycle. You know, on Election Day yesterday, Republicans carried the day with 579,000 votes to 291,000 votes for the Democrats. That's a 288,000 vote margin that we carried on Election Day, which just shows you the level of enthusiasm that we had all across the state. We're also very excited that we won early voting by 166,000 votes. Uh, That has always been a Democratic stronghold with it. I think that both of those numbers are a testament to a couple things. First off, the continued presence by President Trump, Vice President Pence, and the Trump family. We had them down here for five uh, rallies over the last five weeks. We had the Vice President five times over the last couple of weeks, plus numerous visits by Ivanka, uh, by uh, Don Jr., by Eric, and by Laura, uh, even Melania coming in the day before the election cycle. So we know that the Trump campaign and the Trump family took North Carolina very seriously, and we saw that surge in enthusiasm. It's also a testament to the fact that we had 10,000 volunteers that were out in the field making over 10 million voter contacts, knocking on over 3 million doors. When we consider that the historic turnout that we saw overall in this election cycle, 5.5 million voters almost, and uh, 74% turnout for us to have this big a series of wins on the Republican side is really a great validation of the ground game and the enthusiasm that we have for conservative ideals here. Right. So and that is true. They had a great uh, get out the vote operation. Uh, The Trump campaign uh, did and the Republican Party of the state did. 
however, you got to admit the Democrats did kind of walk away. They walked off the field because of COVID. I've gone over this before, uh, so I won't belabor the point. But when you make the case that everybody needs to stay home, social distance, uh, and not be in indoor spaces with other people, uh, you or attend mass gatherings, well, except for all those protests, uh, then uh, you can't very well go hold these types of events without facing charges of hypocrisy. So uh, they did not do a lot of the stuff. The Democrats did not do a lot of the ground game uh, that they have in the past. And maybe this all would have looked different had they done so, had they not simply relied on an air campaign to just, you know, drop ads in every market nonstop for the last, you know, seven months or so. Things might have been different, you know. Uh, It's hard to say. Now, what's easy to say is that if you are looking for uh, a piece of equipment and you don't have the piece of equipment, but you're not really sure what type you might need or how much power you might need, or you maybe just need it for one job, go to General Equipment Rental. Okay. First off, they've got all the tools. I I mean, all kinds of tools from yard equipment to like heavy construction stuff, earth moving, scaffolding, air compressor tools, all sorts of stuff. Right. So you go there and you ask them, hey, this is the project I'm doing. What kind of tool uh, might I need? And then they'll actually show you how to use the tool. That's very helpful. They'll walk you through it because, I mean, they want you to be able to get the job done and they don't want you breaking the tool. Uh, It is, you know, going to go. It's going to come back to them and then they're going to rent it out again. So they don't need you busting it. So they're going to make sure you know what you're doing, how to use the tool. Very helpful. And then you get the job done, by the way. And then maybe you're like, you know what? I like this tool. I might buy one later. Well, you know what? You're in luck uh, because General Equipment Rental is your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. They also do equipment service and repair, by the way. General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com. They are in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, family-owned and operated for three generations. And uh, they very much wanted to support this show. So if you have equipment rental needs, please support them generalrents.com general equipment rental in weaverville and think outside your toolbox state senate president pro tem uh phil berger he thanked voters at this press conference this week and uh, he said it is clear that the gop legislative agenda is popular among most north carolinians for the sixth consecutive election voters made a clear choice in support of a republican platform of low taxes expanded school choice and large investments in education and teacher pay. Those are policies that are broadly popular even among groups that traditionally don't support Republicans. Our record for the last decade is clear. A booming economy that we intend to rebuild, low taxes, and giving parents, even parents from lower income households, the same opportunities for their children's education that the wealthy have. The Senate Republican majority will continue to deliver on those promises. I hope the next two years we see a departure from the divisive partisan lawsuits that have hamstrung attempts at good faith negotiations between Republicans and Democrats in the legislature and the executive branch. And let's talk for a minute about maps. For the second time in 10 years, Senate Republicans won under maps approved by and drawn by Democrats. The districts we won in were created by the Democratic Party's expert mapmaker. They were chosen at random by a lottery ball machine. They were amended amended exclusively on amendments from the Democrats. Republicans still won a clear majority. 
I hope this puts an end to the decade-long saga of redistricting lawsuits. I do, too. I doubt it will happen, but I do, too. This is another key point from this election that if you're going to, you know, if you're going to argue about politics in North Carolina, you need to keep this in mind as well. uh, That Democrats drew the map in 2010 and Republicans won their majorities under it. And then Democrats drew these maps right through their map maker guy and the courts and everything. And Republicans still won. And also Republicans Uh, The Republican candidate for or the incumbent, rather, Steve Troxler, uh, agriculture commissioner, he actually got more votes statewide than any other candidate. Cooper then came in second, but then the next ones were all Republicans. So this idea that the only reason uh, Republicans win is because of gerrymandering, it's not true. It's just not true. They win more statewide votes. Tom Tillis beat uh, Cal Cunningham. Donald Trump beat Joe Biden, right? All of these indicate that there is widespread support for Republicans. As much as the left doesn't want to acknowledge that, it indicates that this argument about gerrymandering is specious at best. At best. So, will we see more lawsuits? Yeah, probably. Just probably going to happen. House Speaker Tim Moore, by the way, I need to apologize right now because uh, the audio that I pulled this from, this came from the North Carolina GOP's press conference. They did a live stream on their Facebook and I recorded it off of that uh, because obviously I wasn't up in Raleigh. And so uh, there is a lot of clipping that occurs in this audio uh, particularly from Tim Moore. It just, I don't know why it could have been some interference going on with the, the wireless microphones that the TV stations use. That's usually a problem, uh, but there's clipping that occurs, but I think you'll get the idea, but I acknowledge it's annoying and I apologize for that. So Tim Moore said that a lot of the news coverage prior to the election was about how the house was going to flip blue to go to the Democrats, but it was actually the GOP that picked up four seats in the house. Moore said that the sweep of judicial races is also a recognition among voters that the GOP stands for safety and security. Uh, What I'll also say, and of course we're here at a party today and there's going to be some partisan flavor to the next few weeks, but at some point in the near future, we have to eventually put aside being Republicans, being Democrats, Libertarians, whatever else, and realize and recognize the fact that we're all Americans. I like so many have seen some of the things that have happened where things have turned violent, where there's been property destruction. And I'll tell you, I've talked to folks of all political stripes back home and around the state, and people are saying enough is enough. So the one thing that I definitely want to make sure to get out there is that for these folks who want to go out and try to tear these cities up and cause all this problem, is that the people of North Carolina do not stand with that, and they do not want that to happen. So I'm calling on everybody at every level of government to make sure that we do all we can to stop all of this nonsense. It has to happen. I am curious to watch uh, and see what happens with a lot of these jurisdictions that have refused to call in the National Guard. Uh, for the the protests and these demonstrations. Um, I think I saw, was it Seattle or Portland? They called in the National Guard last night or two nights ago. First time that's ha- that it's happened. Gee, what changed? Well, yeah, the election changed. So now all of a sudden you're willing to crack down on this stuff. This is, this is why people on the right view these violent demonstrations as the shock troops of the Democratic Party, the militant wing of the Democratic Party, if you will. That's how they're viewed. And when you refuse to crack down on them until after the election, it kind of gives away the game just a little bit. Um, Chairman Watley said that he was disappointed that Dan Forrest did not beat Roy Cooper. 
but that the power of incumbency is real, as was the $20 million that came in from out of state to protect Governor Cooper. And Speaker Moore agreed. That's the same thing that we saw in the Senate races and in the House races. There's never been this much money brought from outside the state of North Carolina to try to, to, try to flip a state legislature. I don't know if it's ever happened. I've been told the numbers like 80% of the money that came in was from out of state. But you know what that proves? The fact we maintained a majority, it proves that you just can't buy elections on these legislative races. People are going to vote for folks they know and trust in those local legislative districts. And I think it, it, I think that may be a lesson to those out-of-state groups that they don't need to try to come to North Carolina and buy these legislative elections. I don't think that lesson's going to be learned. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're still going to pump tons of money into North Carolina to flip the legislature. Berger and Moore said that the legislative races where Medicaid expansion was the key issue, where these candidates ran on Medicaid expansion, uh, that those districts went to Republicans. So it's probably not the issue that propelled Roy Cooper to victory. And I agree with that. As much as Roy Cooper wants Medicaid expansion to be the issue and Democrats want this to be the issue, most people don't see it as the issue. See, here's the connection. Democrats know that, generally speaking, voters cite health care as a top issue that they're concerned about, and specifically the costs of health care. OK, um, and so what the Democrats do is they try to equate Medicaid expansion to health care when people's view or concerns about health care is not necessarily about expanding Medicaid. It's about their costs going up all the time. And uh, this insecurity they feel about access to their own health care, because the vast majority of people in America, they have access to health care and they have insurance Two different things. They have insurance as well, usually provided through their employer. And so uh, they're making this they're trying to make this uh, this connection. Medicaid expansion equals your concerns about health care. And I've been suspicious of that. Uh, that appeal for a very long time. And I don't think that it has much of a connection, but the Democrats do. And so they keep hammering away. And Cooper said at the press conference, he was asked about this and he said, well, yeah, I won reelection. I think that was because of Medicaid. Well, he has no proof of that. He doesn't. He has no proof of that. And all of the people that ran in the legislative races on that uh, message, they lost. So what does that mean? Okay, so then Moore was asked about the redistricting process, and he made a really important point about the impact of the 2020 census on the new maps that are about to be drawn. You're going to have new districts based on population, so you're going to have major shifts. That's going to be a difference. I don't, I don't know that folks have fully realized the extent of shifts. You're going to see more districts concentrated in your urban and suburban areas as opposed to the rural areas just because of the shift in population. So as opposed to a lot of the trimming around around the edges like you saw the last time, you're going to, have to start with a, a blank slate and come there for legislative races, congressional races, and everything. But uh, I've been, look, I've been very proud of the way we have done redistricting. And I want to echo what Senator Berger said. You know, there's all this talk. You, you'd hear folks on the Democrat side saying, the districts that a Republican majority was elected with, I want to, folks need to get a little history. In 2010, when took the majority, we were elected with maps drawn by Democrats. This year, we were elected with a majority with maps that largely were dictated by what a Democratic map drawer had done. 
So there ought to be the end of this talk about gerrymandering and all that. That's why Republicans are in charge, because we have now, through these cycles, proven that is not the case. The reality is the voters of this state, the voters of this state chose to have a Republican majority in the state Senate and in the state House. And every time these groups want to come in and, and try to attack, they're really insulting those voters, frankly. They're not respecting the will of the voters in those districts around the state. Who know those senators? Who know those House members? You know, you, you come to statewide races, right? It's kind of hard to get in and just see. You, you don't generally run into the governor at the food line, right? I mean, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> but the thing about legislative candidates is that the we, we are in such small areas. We're among our constituents on a regular basis, church, school, the grocery store, wherever it is. And those communities know their legislators. And so it's, that, that, I can't stress that enough. I think it goes to the fact about the out-of-state money as well. At the end of the day, have confidence in the voters and respect their decision. So I do hope that all that talk ends. But as we move forward to redistricting, I do, what I don't want to see is another decade of endless litigation, continual redraws, uh, sniping about this. The, the people want us to get onto important business. I would, I would dare, I would be scared to venture a guess as to how many hours and how much money was spent with these constant attacks of our districts. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't uh, anticipate the litigation is going to be ceasing. I expect Democrats to continue with those efforts for the next decade. As soon as the Republicans draw these maps, I suspect there will be lawsuits over them. Um, I thought it was a really good point uh, that Speaker Moore made about seeing your local representatives and senators in your community. This is one of the fundamental uh, building blocks upon which our entire system uh, rests, which is you have local representation. Those folks then represent, you know, that group of people from that jurisdiction uh, up to a larger body. And it's actually biblically rooted um, uh, with Moses and all that. But the, the point is, like, that system is the key. And you're not going to run into Cooper at the food line. That's just not going to happen, generally speaking. Now, well, you might, yes, you might see his wife flip off your kid at a at a rally in Raleigh. Like, that might happen. <laughs> you know? Are you aware of this story? Did you hear what happened? Kristen Cooper, Kristen Bernhardt Cooper is her name. She's the first lady of North Carolina. And uh, the other day, she posted on Facebook, uh, basically bragging about how she gave the middle finger to a kid. Yeah. Here is, well, WRAL got the story after it was, uh, it went viral. Uh, Kristen Cooper, Governor Roy Cooper's wife, is apologizing for a comment she posted on Facebook about a conservative group gathered outside the governor's mansion. The comment was deleted but someone took a screenshot and sent it to Michelle Morrow, who organized the conservative voter rally at the state capitol on Sunday. OK, so she's apologizing for this comment. She apologized yesterday, saying, quote, my personal Facebook comments and actions leading to it were inappropriate. And I am so sorry. I apologize to anyone I may have hurt and I ask for forgiveness. So what did she do? What did she post on Facebook? Well, here's what she said, because somebody took a screenshot. I have it. Quote, they finally pretty much gave up on coming to Raleigh. She's talking about the reopen people. 
<clears throat> these conservatives who have been going to Raleigh and protesting, you know, to reopen the state. So there was apparently a demonstration there that wasn't, I don't know, there's like a, like 60 people there. And so it wasn't, you know, hundreds like attended the last one. So she's, you know, mocking them for showing up. Oh, look, at there's not a lot of them now. They finally, she says they finally pretty much gave up on coming to Raleigh. There was a pitiful family group waving those flags by the Capitol today. I flipped them off and told them to go home. Was flipping off a brainwashed kid my finest hour? Probably not, but I can live with it. I listened in on their Facebook Live broadcasts when they first came to the city in a desperate frenzy to get anybody here to care. They are a bunch of clowns. That's the first lady. That's the wife of the governor. Flipping off a child. By the way, Michelle Morrow, the organizer, uh, she said she had a permit. It was a peaceful event. Um, she says people were harassing them. Um, and uh, her son, who was apparently the one that got flipped off, he had a flag. And you know what the flag was? It was a back the blue flag. It was a pro cop flag. That's what the first lady middle fingered. That's what she flipped off. Uh, Morrow wrote to Kristen Cooper and said she would love to have a face-to-face meeting with her, but she has not heard back yet. Good luck with that. I am just, I'm trying to imagine the outrage uh, that would have occurred if this was any wife of a Republican lawmaker, even like a legislative or like a city council member, somebody like the wife of any other elected official at any level. Can you imagine the outrage? We had viral videos circulating because there was some uh, back the blue, uh, uh, you know, parade of cars through a town and somebody screamed out white power and nobody knew who screamed it out. But that was enough to send this video viral and to, you know, uh, to launch a thousand stories and the witch hunt to find who said this thing. And oh, my gosh, this was in so and so's district. Oh, and I think so so and so was actually at this rally or they had been at a rally before where somebody else was. And so this is obviously proof that they're white supremacists like all of that outrage that gets that gets stirred up around an incident like that. Here you have the first lady of the state of North Carolina giving the bird to a kid, a kid who's waving a flag that says back the blue. And then she calls them all clowns. It's really, uh, it, yeah. All I seek is the consistent application of standards, really. Consistency. That's what That's what I seek here. Speaking of consistency, you want consistency in uh, your sleep? Do you want consistency in quality and price of your CBD product? Well, then Growers Hemp is where you want to go. I take CBD oil every night before I go to bed, uh, and I have never slept as deeply as I do now that I've uh, started taking it. And it, by the way, it does take a little while. Usually it takes like two weeks or so for it to like your body to kind of build up a baseline of it. Um, and uh, my yeah, about a week or so in, I started noticing the difference. And you don't wake up all groggy. I love it. Um, are you looking for a better quality of life, a balanced state of mind, a positive mental outlook, immune system resilience, deeper sleep, lower tension? Growers Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract added to your daily routine. Okay, um, the best quality at a price that's affordable because Growers Hemp controls the entire process from the seed all the way to the shelf. These are North Carolina farmers and they maintain complete control. So you get the best for lower prices. 
okay? And they want to help you all along the way in your wellness journey. They know people have questions about CBD. They are uh, they are always available to answer your questions, okay? Uh, growershemp.com is the website. And go to the website and use the promo code Pete, my name, and you'll get 20% off. From North Carolina farmers to your home, Growers Hemp. As with all CBD products, here's the official disclaimer from, uh, or that GovCo requires me to tell you. Here we go. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has been confirmed, uh, has not been confirmed, rather, by the FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. I think I might just record that from now on and just uh, speed it up a little bit, like they do in the, <laughs> like they do on the the ads on TV and stuff, in radio, uh, and just speed it up. Maybe I'll do that. Um, you can find it, by the way, the Growers Hemp products were on the shelves at uh, the Broad River Hemp Company in Shelby. They don't just have the drops, too. They've got uh, lozenges. They've got uh, salves and, and balms and stuff. So go check out their website, growershemp.com. It's about the hemp, not the hype. One last thing on the, uh, uh, the state parties here. Uh, Wayne Goodwin, the state Democratic Party chairman, he said he's not going to run for another term. And honestly... Uh, I understand that. Uh, first off, yes, it's a difficult job you're doing. But on the other hand, like you, you didn't win these races. You were you were trying to flip the legislature, and you did not flip it. He didn't even win his own race. He was running against Mike Causey for insurance commissioner. Goodwin used to be the insurance commissioner, and uh, Causey beat him. So this was a rematch, and uh, Goodwin lost. So. Uh, most of the party's previous chairs served a maximum of two-year terms. Goodwin is in his second term, uh, which ends in February. He says, quote, I believe it's time to pass the torch. There are some exciting prospects for future chairs, younger leaders, and people of color. Uh, nobody has publicly announced for the job. So uh, I don't know. Did he get distracted or were his energies split between the party and his own personal campaign? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I can see that being a problem. Maybe that caused some grousing among some Democrats. Hard to say, because I'm not in those circles. <laughs> but I, I like, honestly, I, it's very easy for me to imagine the arguments like, well, maybe if you, you know, paid more attention to all the candidates instead of just your candidacy. And that's a tough spot to be in, you know, tough spot to be in. But at the end of the day, you are judged by your results and uh, the results were not terribly great for the North Carolina Democratic Party in 2020. Um, this leads me to the editorial board from McClatchy. They, you know, produced the Charlotte Observer, the News and Observer, the Durham Herald Sun, and they have a unified board of election or a editorial board. And so when they write an editorial, it goes out to all of the papers. And their editorial <laughs> from the day after the election was titled North Carolina didn't get a blue wave. It got a red reminder. Okay. Oh, good alliteration. In the weeks leading up to election day, North Carolina Democrats were cautiously optimistic. And so were we. <laughs> All right. Of course they were. Um, they didn't say, of course, they, I added that part. They just said North Carolina Democrats uh, were cautiously optimistic, with some even confident that they were ready to retake power in the state legislature. 
oh, just some were confident? Give me a break. Ever The conventional wisdom was that the the Democrats were going to roll through and uh, and take over all of the, the chambers. Uh, they had eliminated the GOP's General Assembly supermajority in the 2018 election, and they believed they could ride the 2020 tailwinds of an urban and suburban rejection of President Donald Trump. The NC Senate was poised to topple, several lawmakers told this editorial board, and the NC House had a 50-50 shot of doing the same. But instead of more blue waving on Tuesday, North Carolina got a red reminder. Republicans aren't going anywhere anytime soon. (laughs) So they said they go on to say a bit later, the results left the GOP leaders rightly crowing on Wednesday, rightly crowing. So so that's an interesting way. So not celebrating. Like just interesting use of the word, and the, and people think, oh, come on, Pete, you're getting like into the weeds here. You're nitpicking the certain words. Well, I do that because these are wordsmiths. Okay, this is their livelihood. This is their job, their profession. They are experts at picking the right words to convey ideas. And here they've chosen the word crowing instead of celebrating or touting. Right? Why not? Could they just have been touting their success, promoting it? Or how about this? They just how about just saying? They're just saying. They're 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 rightly claiming that for the sixth consecutive election, voters made a clear choice in the support of the GOP platform. So why can't you just say they're claiming this? No, 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 it's crowing crowing, which has a negative connotation. Anyway, they go on to say this is uh, this also is true. However, North Carolina voters gave Democrat Roy Cooper another four years as governor in what amounted to a landslide compared to other statewide races. <laughs> that's not how that works, guys. That's not how <laughs> that's not how landslide works. Landslide is 10 percentage points or more. It's a double digit victory. That's a landslide. A landslide is not 4%. He won by 4%. That's not a landslide. And you trying to compare it to tighter races cuz other cuz look, there were Republicans like Steve Troxler, he won by more than 4%, I think. So, um yeah, is that a landslide too? He won more votes than Cooper did. This is it just it's silliness the way these people have to frame and couch this stuff. Oh, you know, he got a landslide when you compare it to other statewide races. Yeah, and he didn't get a landslide when compared to other statewide statewide races. They go on to say Tuesday's split was not the product of moderate voters wanting balance among North Carolina's branches. It was the product of conservatives who vote for the candidate with an R no matter what and progressives that do the same. Maps may be gerrymandered and the GOP may try to suppress votes, but result after statewide result clearly showed the divided nature of North Carolina. So what did I just get done saying? These two myths, these conventional wisdom myths that the left employs, right, to beat up Republicans and to try to gain advantage in political debate is still being uttered by these idiots at the editorial board. I'm sorry, but guys, gerrymandering? Gerrymandering is the reason why the Republicans won. They got more votes in all the state in six of the ten statewide races, and then you add in the judicial races. They swept all of those. That you add in the president, the U.S. Senate. They won those. Give me a break. This is not because of gerrymandering and suppressing the vote. Worst suppression ever. 
75% turnout. Give me a break, guys. Give me a break. And this is the thing that kills me. As they're engaging in this kind of a dishonest argument that fuels the divide, they lament the, the, the existence of this divide. That you're doing the very thing to create the circumstance that you're crying about. Now, if you're crying about trying to get your house sold, don't cry anymore. Uh, don't cry. Just pick up the phone and call Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. Phone number, 333-4483. That's 333-4483. Mountainhomehunt.com is the website. She's the official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. It's a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from realtor commissions. Uh, this goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, members of the military, uh, veterans, active duty, and retirees. She has given back about $800,000 so far to these local folks. So, Buying or selling, call the only agent that uh, we called when we were looking to buy our house. She outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina, Rowena Patton, and her all-star powerhouse team. Give her a call and then start packing. So the editorial board says that uh, Democrats should recognize that some of what Phil Berger said is true. North Carolina, uh, North, North Carolinians did not reject the Republican approach to taxes and schools. Republicans, meanwhile, should realize that those same voters gave Cooper a clear thumbs up for his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Which I'm not so sure, actually, because if that were the case, then it should have been a larger percentage point spread. It should have been uh, it, it should have been a bigger victory because he was leading in the polls way more than he ended up beating Dan Forrest by. And honestly, uh, his approval numbers when it came to his handling of the covid, the coronavirus stuff was way higher than his margin of victory and the percentage of votes that he got. So I'm not so sure that it was um a clear thumbs up for the handling. But see, this is what you like. This is what they like to do is they'll 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 put their own ideas about what people were voting for and against. They'll put that into their analysis as if it's true. Oh, so, yes, people liked Berger and the Republicans on taxes and school choice. But that's it. And they liked Cooper on covid. But that's it. Well, but not really. See, because then they say we believe there's room for compromise. On expansion of Medicaid, but of course, <laughs> and uh, teacher pay, and then they say, you know, basic things like passing a budget. So I find this funny because uh, what they're essentially arguing, and uh, uh, Stacy Matthews from RedState.com, uh, she she noted this as well on Twitter. Uh, so here's the editorial board after we saw, uh, you know, Trump win, Tillis win, General Assembly go more red, the Council of State uh, uh, maintain Republican majorities, uh, uh, the, all the judicial races all go for Republicans. After you see all of that, the re the response from the editorial board at McClatchy is... Okay, fine, you guys may have won, but you really should do what Democrats want you to do. <laughs> right. Now is the time. Now is the time after all of these victories. Now is the time to adopt Democratic policies. <laughs> in the spirit of compromise, of course, in the spirit of compromise. <laughs> uh, now, you do not want to compromise on your mattress. That I can tell you that right now. You sleep on this thing for eight hours a day, Right. You don't want to compromise on that. So go to Mattress Man and you won't have to compromise on the quality or the price. You get great price. You get great deals at Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com. That's their website. Go to Mattressmanstores.com. And they've got the triple zero deal going on right now. The triple zero deal is zero money down and uh, zero interest 
for two years and zero payments for 90 days. If you serve in the military, if you have served in the military, or you are a member of a military family, ask about the military discount at Mattress Man. Okay, they've got mattresses in stock right now. A lot of the big guys can't even get inventory for six to eight weeks. Are you aware of that? If you want to get a bed right now before Christmas, you got to go to Mattress Man, basically. They've got the inventory. This is pandemic-related. A lot of their distribution systems got uh, messed up for these uh, larger places, and that did not happen with Mattress Man. They, uh, they've kept their inventory. They've got bed-in-a-box mattresses. Get this. If you need a, a quick... A low-cost alternative uh, to you know buying a whole uh, uh, bed set and everything like that for people who are coming in from out of town. $189. Bed-in-a-box mattresses starting at $189. So if you've got people coming in for the holidays, you know, because you're not going to want to put them in the hotel and you need a quick and easy set, this is what you need. $189. Bed-in-a-box at Mattress Man. They also have, of course, the Biltmore Collection by Restonic, made in Fayetteville, Uh, These are the mattresses at the Biltmore. So everything that you could possibly want in selection, great deals, and five-star local delivery service. They ship nationwide. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. All right, but let me circle back around to the the comments there about the governor uh, and his handling of COVID. Uh, WRAL did a story a couple weeks ago. Kudos to them, finally, for taking a look at the cycle threshold Uh, for the PCR testing. North Carolinians have taken more than 3 million coronavirus tests during the pandemic, with PCR testing accounting for 97% of the positive results. Polymerase chain reaction, or PCR tests, involve rapidly making millions to billions of copies of a specific DNA sample through a process called cycling. It amplifies the DNA enough so you can study it in detail. While the test is widely regarded as accurate when it comes to positive or negative for coronavirus, some in the scientific world say it provides an incomplete picture, because it does. Dr. Carl Hennigan, director of the University of Oxford's Center for Evidence-Based Medicine, told The Spectator magazine in London that the black and white nature of the test is leading to an inflated number of cases. Quote, we have found RNA evidence in shedding for 78 days. When you're picking up asymptomatic people, you have no idea if they have an active infection or did they have it two months ago. For its coronavirus test, North Carolina State Public Health Lab cycles a DNA sample up to 37 times. That's called the cycle threshold. Okay, and that then after they do it 37 times, they then say, "Okay, it's positive or negative. LabCorp, the main private tester in the state, has a cycle threshold that's even higher at 38. And the more times you run this cycles, uh, these cycles, the less virus you actually start out with, says Hennigan. So WRAL investigates went through the specs of dozens of PCR tests that asked for emergency approval from the U.S. FDA. The cycle thresholds range from as low as 35 to as high as 40, depending on the maker. Thomas Denny, the chief operating officer at Duke University's Human Vaccine Institute that's heading up the school's coronavirus testing program, uh, they say the test could detect inactive virus. Oh, that's interesting. But Scott Schoen, the director of the state's public health lab, said the debate 
Misses the point of the testing, you see. The tests weren't designed specifically to identify how much virus is there, just whether it's there or not. Trying to add additional layers of analysis onto a test that wasn't designed for that purpose can be dangerous. But that's exactly what's, what's happening now, though, Doctor. That's exactly what's happening now. That's how it's being used. The positive numbers are being used to justify a lot of things. Oh my gosh, the case counts are up, a new milestone in cases and all this. But when people think cases, they think infected. And that might not even be the case. They think, oh my gosh, you're contagious. That's not the case either. 80 to 90% of the positive cases would not hit positive if you used a lower cycle threshold. That's kind of important, folks. And finally, someone asked the question at yesterday's COVID briefing that the governor and the health secretary, Mandy Cohen, held. We follow the manufacturer's guidance on how to run these tests. There's some very specific guidance on how our, our labs are meant to use these tests um, and to follow the protocols that were approved by the FDA in us using those, those tests. So that's what we do. We do the, and use the manufacturer's guidance. What I would say is testing is an important tool for us to understand who has COVID right now and who does not. What's hard about COVID, as I've been mentioning, is that folks can have COVID and not know it and not have any symptoms. So we use tests to identify folks who may have COVID and not know it, as well as if you have symptoms to to identify that it is COVID specifically. Um, so we are going to continue to use the, those tests that we use as the manufacturer has told us to use them. Um, and we will continue to use tests as an important tool to make sure we can slow the spread of this virus. Alrighty, so did you catch all of that? I know it was hard maybe to decipher it, but uh, let me uh, capsulate. Um, we're just doing as we're told, and we're going to keep doing it, and that's it. That's it. That was a dodge. In case you're curious, that's, a, that's what a dodge sounds like. She did not answer the question, because they're not reassessing anything. All, she says, all we're doing is following the instructions. Right, but the problem is you're using these results to go out and essentially terrify everybody, right, that this thing is coming for everybody. And look, it very well might be, right? I think uh, that's the thing about a virus is like at some point, I think most of us are going to get it until there is, quote, herd immunity, hopefully, and then it, like you have some immunity to it. But I don't know the the science is still out on that as well. The problem is the way you use the data. You're getting all of these positives, but it's not necessarily telling you anything instructive. I'm going to get into this in a second. First, um, old grouches, military surplus. Head on over there when you get a minute uh, during the week or uh, on a Saturday. Head on over to old grouches, military surplus. It's on Main Street in downtown Clyde and pick yourself up some uh, cold weather gear. Winter is here. And uh, if you do hunting, if you do work outside, then you're going to want heavy-duty warm clothing, and you can get it a lot cheaper at Old Grouches than you're going to find it at most outdoor stores. And uh, this is great quality uh, military surplus stuff. You've got wool sweaters, military field jackets in solid green and camo, wool and fleece toboggans, Gore-Tex jackets, wool socks, thermal underwear. Uh, they've got backpacks as well, military-grade backpacks uh, for the kids. You know, for school, they're going to last a lot longer than the cheap ones from the big box stores. Ammo cans, great idea for all kinds of storage scenarios. Uh, they come in all sizes. So uh, head on over to Old Grouch. 
com. Check out the inventory there or uh, peruse the store. Drop on in. Old Grouch's Military Surplus, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, and at oldgrouch.com. So WRAL, and by the way, thanks to Rose Hoban from the North Carolina Health News website for asking that question. Um, But WRAL did a story on this a couple weeks ago, as I mentioned. Some researchers have tried to grow coronavirus from samples with cycle thresholds higher than 34, but they were unsuccessful, meaning the virus was not active. Yet the people who took the test were labeled as positive. Dr. Michael Mina, an assistant professor of epidemiology at Harvard University's T.H. Chan School of Public Health, has recommended cutting off the cycle threshold closer to 30 to identify only those people who have enough virus to spread. Lowering the cycle threshold would reduce cases by 80 to 90 percent. Hennigan says that Dr. Hennigan says thresholds of the high 30s paint a false picture causing unnecessary quarantines and negative economic impacts. Quote, you can point a uh, you can point a threshold level which says you are infectious, which is uh, about a million copies per milliliter in a sample, which is a cycle threshold of about 25. And that 25 is exponentially lower than what most labs use to test for the coronavirus. The FDA applications for LabCorp's test, as well as the Thermo Fisher test uh, used by the state lab, clearly says that after a positive result, other diagnostic information is needed to determine patient infectious status. But that's not how the state uses it. It's not how DHHS uses it. It's not how the governor uses it. It's not how Mandy Cohen uses it. They get that data, a positive or a negative, and they use the case count numbers to justify various decisions that they make. That's the problem. I'm not saying coronavirus isn't dangerous. I'm not saying people aren't dying from it. I'm saying that the, this, the PCR tests that you guys are using and the cycle thresholds of 37 and 38, they're too high. They're giving us too many positive case numbers and it's distorting our response. That's a wrap for this episode. Uh, remember, subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate that. Maybe become a patron. Go to the Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>